You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in the third and final week of a series called Why We Exist. Why We Exist. And the big idea of this series is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you exist to live on mission. And what I found, what is so easy when you see a sentence like that is to say, yeah, that's for everybody else. And I can think of all the different ways why that does not apply to me. But let me look you in the eyes and remind you that if you are a follower of Jesus, you exist to live on mission. And the Bible is very clear about that. In fact, in Matthew chapter five, verse 13 through 16, Jesus in the message paraphrase says, let me tell you why you are here. In other words, this is why you exist. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, and now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, everybody say this word on the count of three, one, two, three, shine. Like that's what you're made to do by God is that he said, I've made you to be light and now I want you to shine. If you don't believe me, here we go. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, where it says you, by the way, this, this means you, like you. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, in other words, now that you know who you are, let me tell you what you should do. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And then our theme verse in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, which is known as the Great Commission. This is after Jesus had died and raised from the dead and it was before he ascended into heaven. He says, hey, before I leave, I wanna make sure that you know that you have a mission that I have just for you. And he says, here's your mission. He says, I want you to go, not just gather in rooms. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, of every single person on planet earth that is breathing baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. He says, I wanna be with you. And I just want to just remind you of something. Like God knows your personality and he still gives you this mission. Like God knows what your past is. He knows what your experiences have been. He knew the family that you grew up in. He knew the circumstances that you could not control. And he says, I still have a mission for you. 
Like I have that, like that's the mission. That is why you exist. And by the way, those verses right there, the great commission is where we get our mission as a church, which answers the question, why do we exist? And what I've learned is that I can't outrank Jesus's mission that he already gave us. So our mission is our way of articulating the great commission. Here's how we put it. We exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. And in this series, guys, I am calling us back to that mission. I'm saying it's time. It is time to get back on mission. If there's ever been a time where you felt like I've drifted from that, which is totally understandable. We all have. I think so many people over the past two years through everything we've walked through have as a society, it's been so easy to drift from that. And I'm saying, hey, right now, now is the time. Whether you've been coming to our church for a week, whether you've been coming for almost four years, it is time to get back on mission. It's why we exist. It's time, it's time. And in, we've been answering questions in this series. And in week one, we answered the question, like, why is it so important? Like, why is it so important for you and I to live our life on mission? Like, but, but here's the truth. The reason why we had to start there is because when we lose our why, we lose our way. And so it's so important for us to buy in heart and soul to the why behind the mission that God has given us. And then last week we answered the question, like, what do I do? Like, how do I live my life in a very like intentional way to make sure that I'm living my life every single day on mission? And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I wanna answer this question, which I believe is probably the most challenging for most people. And that is what do I say? Like, what do I say? How do I live my life? And how do I really speak in a way to where my words are even on mission. Now, some of you, you probably see that and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me that I have to tell other people about Jesus? That I have to talk about my faith? Like, isn't that your job? Like, the truth is that is way outside of my comfort zone, Pastor Brian. Like, if my comfort zone is right here, Like this is my comfort zone right here. What you're talking about, the fact that you're wanting me to talk about my faith and talk about Jesus, it is way over here. Sorry online. (laughs) But like, like, that is so far outside of my comfort zone. Like you're telling me that you're wanting me to, to speak about my faith and to tell other people. And let's just be honest, guys. Like the truth is, is that when we talk about and have this conversation, it can bring up so much like insecurity. It could bring up so much fear. It's so easy to think thoughts like, I'm just not good enough to do that. Like, I'm not good enough. I, I don't know enough to have conversations like that. Like, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know theology. Like, what if I get asked a hard question and I don't know the answer? What happens if I get in a debate? 
Like, like what, what if I get in an argument? Like, the truth is, I'll lose. So what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I, how do I do that? Like, I just don't know. Like, my faith, I love Jesus, and my faith is a big deal, but I just like to keep it to myself. And maybe that's what you would say today. But I want you to hear this loud and clear. Our mission, like why we exist, it demands that we don't keep it to ourselves. And a lot of people, they really like this famous quote that is accredited to St. Francis of Assisi, where he says, like, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now, I understand the point of what the man is saying. He's saying, like, live your life in such a way that it actually points people to Jesus. That's, in fact, what we talked about all last week. So I'm down with that. But I got to be honest, this quote drives me crazy. It really does. It drives me crazy. Because the truth is, it's always necessary to use words. Yes, we should live our lives in such a way that it points people to Jesus. But when they get there, we eventually need to tell them about Jesus. We need to tell them the good news of the gospel to see them get saved. Like us being a good godly example, living a good moral life will never get another person to heaven. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a promise. And here's what I want this to sink deep into our souls today is that that's a promise that we want to see for every single person in our city to experience that. Like, like the people that you go to work with and the people that are in your schools and, 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 and your family and your friends and the circles and the places that God has put you. Like we want to see people experience that promise. But it goes on to say, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone, like you and me, like unless someone tells them? I love 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, because it tells us so clearly to always be prepared to give an answer. In the original Greek, it actually means like a defense. Like always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for, and I love this word, for the hope. Like, listen, you're not trying to win an argument or a debate. You're trying to share hope that you have. And it says, but do this and tell me this doesn't like get all up in the kitchen of our culture today. But it says, this is how you should do this. Do this with gentleness and respect. So the question today is, how do we do that? Like, what do we say? Let me give you three very practical things. And here's the first one. What, what, what do we say? The first one is, share my story. If you want to know what to say, share your story. In other words, simply tell other people what God has done in your life. Now, the Bible uses a very specific term all throughout the New Testament called being a witness. And one of those times is in Acts 1.8, and Jesus is talking, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Now, I want you to picture a courtroom. And when you picture a courtroom, there's different people that are in that courtroom. There's a judge. He didn't call you to be the judge. There's a jury. He didn't call you to be the jury. There's a prosecutor. He certainly did not call you to be the prosecutor. There's even a defense attorney. And he didn't even call you to be the defense. He called you to be a witness, to get up on the witness stand and to tell your side of the story, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That's what he's told us to do, is to be a witness. And in John chapter nine, is an amazing story. I don't have time to break it down today fully, but I really wanna encourage you sometime this week, go back and read all of John chapter nine. It's an amazing story. It's a story of Jesus healing a guy who was blind from birth. How amazing would that be? To see that, to experience that, to know, oh, like Jimmy, he was blind since he was a kid. And now look, he can see, like how amazing would that be? But instead of like everybody celebrating that, there was a certain group of people, there were some religious people that got really upset because Jesus did that miracle on a certain day a certain way. And instead of celebrating with this guy who was born blind and now he could see, instead of doing that, they actually put this guy on trial over and over again. They keep questioning him and grilling him about Jesus. Like, who is this guy? And they continue to put all this pressure on this guy that experienced this miracle. And they continue to put all this pressure to say that Jesus was a sinner. And listen to this brilliant response that we could all learn about today from, from John chapter nine, verse 25. It says, here's what he says. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I see. Come on, isn't that awesome? Like this verse, this response should alone take all the pressure off. Like, listen, you don't have to know everything. Like, you don't have to have every answer. You don't have to be able to be an expert in the Bible or to be a theological scholar. Like, you don't have to know the answer to every hard question. Like, you don't have to be able to explain the book of Revelation. Nobody can. John wrote it. I don't think he can. He's like, I just wrote what I saw, man. Like, I just... You don't have to be able to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You don't have to be able to explain every challenging question and everything that's in there. You don't have to be able to explain creation over evolution. You don't have to explain how Jonah lived in a fish for three days or if Adam and Eve had a belly button. Think about it, think about it. Let me free you today. This should be the most freeing thing ever. This verse right here in John chapter nine, where he just says, I don't know. And let me just tell you, when you get in a situation and you get asked a question, let me give you permission to say, I don't know. It's in the Bible. I don't know. I love saying it. It's one of my favorite things to do. 
People come to me all the time, ask me hard questions. <sighs> I don't know. Feels good. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Like I know I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was miserable, but now I have joy. I was hopeless, but now I have hope that is like an anchor for my soul. I was addicted, but now I'm free. Like, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that I was anxious and I was depressed, but now I have some peace. Like, I know that I was miserable, I was empty, but now I'm fulfilled. I was lonely, but now I have family. I, I had no direction, but now I have purpose. Like, I was selfish, but now I'm making a big difference. Now, church, here's what I've learned, and here's what I think we have to get today, is that nobody, absolutely nobody can argue with the changed life. Nobody. Like, what's somebody going to say? No, you weren't. Yes, I was. You know, it's like, I was blind, but now I see. I don't know, but I know this, because nobody can argue with the changed life. Nobody. I like to put it this way. Fruit don't lie. It just doesn't. Nobody can argue with the change. So what do we say? What do we say? First thing you can do is just share your story because nobody can argue with the change life. And here's the second thing that you can do is you can share my church. You can share your church. It's important for you to know, regardless of how long you've been hanging out around here, that from day one, we have always wanted to be a church where you felt comfortable inviting and bringing your friends and your family and those that you're around, especially those who are far from God and disconnected from church. And I talk a, a lot about this in step one of Grow Track, and maybe you've never been, or maybe it's been a long time since you've been to, to Grow Track and the step one, but I always talk about that there's seven words that you can say that when if you say those, like God can actually take those seven words and use those seven words to change somebody's life. And here's the seven words. Will you go to church with me? That God can take you asking that question and literally change somebody's life. Maybe not every week, but there should be some weeks where you have somebody that is far from God disconnected from church that's sitting beside you. And if you do, if you put your relational equity on the line, and let me just tell you, that is a very big deal. And we recognize how big of a deal for you to put your relational equity on the line and to be able to ask somebody to come hang out here. And every time that you do, I want you to hear this directly from my heart. We are so honored every single time that you would do that. But every single time that you do, I promise that we will be ready when, when people arrive, that everything will be excellent and in, 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 in order, that we will treat every single person in here with respect, that we will make people feel welcome, that we won't talk down to people. We won't use churchy Christianese language. That's really hard to understand. And you need to know if you do that every single week, every single message, every single time that we will give people the opportunity every week, every service to make the most important decision of their life, the decision to follow Jesus. is coming later in this service. Every single time, you can know that. But I also promise that if you put your relational equity on the line and you bring someone 
to church that is far from God, disconnected from church, I promise you that you will care more than any other week. Like you will care so much. You'll want every person on the dream team to be on their A game. You'll want the smiles to be big, the parking lot attendants to be charismatic and to be able to point everybody to where they need to go. You'll want the coffee to be hot. Like you'll care about the worship set on that day more than you ever have. Like you'll deep down be like, I hope they do my song. My song with that bridge. Because if they do that song, then they'll love this church. And then when the message starts, you'll really care. And you'll like, what's he talking about today? Oh, I pray that he's not talking about giving today. That this is not the day that's talking about giving your money. Oh my gosh. Like you'll care. You'll care about everything. And, but here's what you'll know. You'll know we get to the end of the message. And I'll give people in a private moment the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus. And you'll know that, that I'll give people that opportunity to raise their hand as a step of faith, to say, I give my life to Jesus. And if you bring somebody, put your relational equity on the line, just me and you talking here, I give you permission to peek. Do not make it obvious. Just peek. Because when you see the truth of the gospel hit their heart, you see tears well up in their eyes, and you see their hand go up to receive the free gift of grace, I promise you that will be your favorite Sunday ever at Queen City Church. Way more than any Sunday that was just about you. Because on that day, you captured the heart of God. I'll never forget one Sunday, a guy came up to me in the lobby directly after service. I try to make myself available. I'd love to meet you, by the way, if I haven't had a chance to meet you. And this guy came up to me and he had a combination of a massive smile on his face and tears in his eyes. And he came up to me and he said, Pastor Brian, I brought my mom with me today. And she's been far from God my whole life. And I've been inviting her over and over. And I cannot believe she finally came. And when you got to the end of the message, and he'd been to Grow Track before, he said, I peaked. He said, her hand went up. And I asked him, I said, was that your favorite week of church? And he answered, hands down. Like this is the best week of church that I've ever experienced in my life. And maybe you're hearing this message and maybe you're skeptical and your walls are up. Just. And maybe you're thinking something like this. Like, yeah, but isn't this church big enough? And to me, that is like driving past a hospital and saying, isn't that hospital big enough? Like, they're just helping too many people. Listen, we are not an exclusive country club for people who have it all together. We are an inclusive hospital for the hurting, the lost, and the broken with me first in line. 
And we're not trying to be a big church, but we are trying to make a big difference because it's why we exist. So maybe you're sitting there saying, so are you one of those churches that is all about the numbers? And let me just answer this clearly, yes. We are unapologetically all about the numbers. The number of people going to heaven instead of hell. The number of lives changed, the number of lonely people who find family, the number of people that are addicted, that experience freedom, the, 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 the amount of marriages that can be healed and restored, the number of people discovering their purpose, the number of people that are deeply fulfilled and making a difference. We are unapologetically all about those numbers. Luke chapter 14, verse 23 says, go out into the country lanes. Like go to the city, go to the burbs, go to Kentucky, go to Ohio. If you're feeling frisky, go ahead to go to Indiana. (laughs) Go into the country lanes and behind the hedges. I don't know who would be behind the hedges, but if anybody is behind the hedges, you go get them too. That's what it says in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. And it says, and urge anyone that you find to come so that the house will be full. Listen, guys, God loves a full house. So what do we say? What do we say? You can can share your story. You can share your church. And then number three, and this this may be the hardest one, is that last, we have to be able to share the gospel. We have to be able to share the good news of Jesus. And by the way, this is becoming more and more important, especially in today's culture, in today's society, because some of the newest studies, some of the studies that have come out after the pandemic, like say that over 60% of people won't ever under any circumstance come to church. Doesn't matter how many times you invite, It doesn't matter what programs are going down. It doesn't matter. No matter what, I will never step foot in a church. So if that's the case, and that's the truth, if people won't come to church, the church has to go to the people. It's important. And because regardless of what that stat is, we are still on mission. Like for us to accomplish our God-given mission, there's gonna be times where you're going to have to tell people the good news of Jesus, to tell the gospel. And for some of you, that is what freaks you out. Some of you, that makes you so nervous that if right now I said, okay guys, pop quiz. I'm gonna call on a few of you. We're gonna pass this mic around and you tell me the gospel. We're not going to do that. But if we did, some of you would literally leave. Y'all be like, I'm out. I'm out. You crawl up underneath that green chair in a fetal position, like, not me. Don't pick me. You would never look at me in the eyes. Like, that was the case. And it's like, because it, maybe, maybe it just feels like, man, I, I just, I don't know how to say that. Listen, it is my job to teach you in a way, and I'm just telling you, it's easier than you think, but look me in the eyes, you can do it. You can. And it's my job to help teach you that you can do that. And it's easier than you think. And here's what I wanna encourage you to do. 
If you wanna know how to actually tell somebody the gospel, our culture is demanding that we have to do this. And so all you have to do is to tell people three things. And if you can take these three things and put it into your memory, I promise you, you can tell somebody the best message in the entire world. Three things, and everything starts first with the problem. The problem. And the problem is sin. It's our mistakes. It's how we miss the mark. It's how we all fall short. It's, it's sin is the problem. And the problem is... Everybody has this problem. In fact, in Romans chapter three, verse 23, it says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us have this problem known as sin. And here's what that verse literally means. This verse literally means that because of our sin, like God can't let us into his presence, even if he wanted to that our sin, it literally separates us. It gives a divide between us and God. So the question is, how do I deal with this sin problem? How can I deal with this separation between me and God? See, the only way that you can deal with this sin problem is to pay for it. Okay, so if you have to pay for it, what does it cost? What is the price tag? of our sin and our mistakes. Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says, for the wages, that just means the cost, the price. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, that the only way to pay for our sin that separates us from God is death. So if there's sin, there has to be a death. And if someone doesn't, have, doesn't pay for it for you, you have to pay for it. That is the problem. But the good news is, is that God loves you so much that he doesn't wanna be separated from you. He actually wants a close relationship with you. And so not only is there a problem, but he provided number two, the solution. And the solution is Jesus. Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God, he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die. Remember, that's the penalty. That's the cost of our sin, to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to come to him first. He did it proactively for you. So instead of you having to pay for your sins, he's already paid for it. Listen, hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where people choose to pay for their own sins. So the question is, why Jesus? Like what in the world qualifies him over every other person on planet earth to be able to pay that, to pay for that sin? Like what qualifies him to make that payment? Listen, because he's the only one who's ever lived a perfect sinless life. That's why he's qualified to pay your bill because he never had a bill. And because he never had a bill, he can pay your bill. That's why Jesus, and he's the only one. 
He's the only one that's ever breathed air that could say that. And that's why he says in John chapter 14, verse six, he says, I am the way. He doesn't say I am a way. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one can come to the father except through me. Like you can't get to God any other way. That's why in Acts chapter four, verse 12 says that there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So we have a problem, which is sin. But the good news is is that God loves you so much that he provided a solution, Jesus. And then the third part that you have to be able to articulate then is like, okay, so what do I do? The response. The response is you believe and receive. So how do you respond to what he's done? Like what, what do we do? Well, Galatians chapter two, verse 16, it makes this so clear. He says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Here's what this means. This means that you cannot do enough good things to earn salvation and you can't not do all the bad things to earn salvation. Let me put it this way that you experience salvation, you getting saved, having all that stuff forgiven, that it has nothing to do with your behavior. You can't go to church enough, you can't give enough money away, you can't serve enough, you can't be in enough groups, you can't read your Bible enough. There's nothing that you can do. It's not about your behavior, it's about your belief. That's why in John 3, 16, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the solution. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have receive eternal life. Believe and receive. Well, how in the world do we do that? Romans chapter 10, verse nine. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how do you tell the gospel, the problem, sin, the solution, Jesus, and their response? You believe and receive. In today's culture, it's demanding that we're able to do that. That's the gospel. And I was thinking this morning, about, I think a lot about what God has done in our church. This is the type of year, this time of the year where I get very nostalgic and I think about what were we doing four years ago? It was a few weeks before the church started. We were full of faith and we were scared out of our mind and God, what are you gonna do? And now we're about to celebrate four years as a church. And I started thinking about the fact that we are three people away as of, when we got here this morning from having 2,000 people that have responded to that message and have told us. And I think about that. 
But here's what God reminded me of this morning. Out of those almost 2,000 decisions that have been made, the very first one was not in this auditorium. It was at my kitchen table. And that's why it's so important that we're able to share that. You can do it. But here's what I believe. We haven't had one Sunday, one service. We haven't had one Sunday where somebody didn't say yes to that message. And I believe with all my heart that some of you right now are having an aha moment. It's like it's making sense to you. And I think God, in the best way possible, is jacking with some of you and messing with you. And just like I said at the beginning, when I'm like, I challenge like, hey, this series is calling us back to our mission. And I said these two words, it's time. For some of you, before you get on that mission, God's saying, hey, it's time that you make that decision. It's time. And we want to give you that opportunity right now. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask that you just stay still just for a moment. And will you write where you're at, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, would you just pray this simple prayer to God? Would you just say, God, what are you saying to me today? See, I believe none of you are here by accident that God's specifically speaking to you. And so ask him, God, what are you saying to me? I'm listening. Maybe ask him, is there something you want me to do? Is there a next step? How do you want me to respond to this message? And maybe for some of you, like throughout this message, God was putting specific people on your heart that you need to share your story with, or maybe you need to invite to church, or maybe even you need to share the gospel with somebody. Or maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to remember that person. But maybe you're here and your response is to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're far from God. And maybe today, you know, I need to get right with God. Like that's, before I do anything else, I need to make that decision. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You never said yes. You never believed and received. But maybe you have. And for whatever reason, you went off and you've done your own thing. And you just find yourself at church or you're, maybe you're watching way later or listening to this on a podcast. And right now you just... You're like, man, I'm so far from God and I need a fresh start. For whatever reason, today I need a fresh start. We wanna give you that opportunity and we're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you. But I am gonna ask you to take a step of faith. I'm gonna ask you with eyes closed and nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask you that if you know that's your response today, you need to get right with God for the first time or all over again. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you as a step of faith to raise your hand in the air and because and, I wanna pray with you. And on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you, put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer. That's my response today. I need to get right with God. I need a fresh start. 
If you're here and that's you, I want you to boldly put your hand up in the air, the count of three, if that's your response today. One, two, three. If that's you, put it up. I got you. I got you. That's awesome. I got you. That's awesome. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? That's my decision today. I got you. It's awesome. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. Pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Like I need the the breath right now that's in my lungs. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. And right now I invite you into my life. I invite you back into my life. Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life. I surrender everything to you. I give you my life. And right now I believe in you and I receive everything that Jesus paid for me to have. I receive your grace. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your fresh start. And today I make the rock solid decision, no matter what my past has looked like, to follow you. I thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that, that, thank you for paying my bill. Thank you. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus, the name that is above every single name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, I want you to clap your hands. Come on. And why don't you celebrate with all those that just made that decision? Come on. Tell them how proud. It's awesome. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.